All right. Uh, I hope you have a, a pen and paper. Not that I have anything noteworthy to say, but we're going to uh, be praying throughout, and hopefully the Lord will speak to you. So uh, I had planned to preach something else. I had this, you know, whole outline, and then started, you know, just kind of dreaming on it. But then when I put my face on the ground and started praying, okay, what do you want to talk about, Lord? I heard one word very loudly over and over, and it was the word fear. I was like, oh, okay, well, let's do it. So we are going to be fighting against fear today. Um, quick question to start off. What is one thing that you would do differently if you had no fear at all? Or if you had tons of boldness? Is, is there anything that you would do differently? But like bungee jumping? <laughs> I have a bungee jump. Um, if there's something that you feel like you have wanted to do or ought to do or need to do, and you are unwilling to do that based on fear or a lack of boldness, uh, there you may be living beneath your call. Um, a few weeks ago at the first Wednesday prayer, Jake got a word uh, as we were praying, ran it through Taylor, got the go-ahead to share. Uh, he mentioned Joshua 1.9. He said he got the word courage. And so we talked about Joshua 1.9 for a minute. Uh, it says, have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So he's sharing that. I was up here with Paul because we were uh, playing guitar together. And I was in the kids' Uh, area that morning, and it was interesting because that's what we talked about in the kids' area, too, and neither of them knew that. We even made paper trumpets for the kids to blow as we walked around Jericho, uh, because, you know, God told us to shout for joy and blow the trumpet, and then the walls fall down. So I just want to take a second to read Joshua 1, 5 through 9. This is not the main text, but I'll read it to you. This is God speaking to Joshua. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Kind of sounds like Jesus there in the great recommission that Taylor just preached about. Uh, be strong and courageous, for you shall cause the people, this people, to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do all according to the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will be made prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So I want us to be a people that live in the adventure that God has called us to. I want us to be a people that take the risks that he asks us to. And this is not going to be possible if we live under a constant cloud of oppressive anxiety or fear. We were called to disciple the nations. We can't do that if our foot is caught in the bear trap 
of fear. We aren't going to we aren't going to be willing to take the risks and be bold and courageous. Now, I'm not talking about going and standing up on a soapbox and yelling angrily at people how they're going to hell. I think that is detrimental. Um, I'm talking about the interactions with the world that should be normally winsome and truth-sharing, but as an invitive come and see, perhaps this is the Messiah, perhaps he could change your life, perhaps he can bring you freedom and fullness and live where you were made to be. Uh, so in these moments, uh, the, as we're doing that, as we're sharing life with people, as we're loving on people and investing people, perhaps the Lord will tell us to pray for someone to be healed or tell them a dream that we had or a vision or prophesy. <laughs> I know that's weird. We just talked about it a, f- a month or two ago. I know it's still weird. I know there's anxiety in you. I feel it too. Let's kill it together. <laughs> um, as as I'm, this isn't part of the thing, but if the Lord revealed to you that he wanted you to pray for someone to be raised from the dead, would you do that? I know that's a weird one, isn't it? I love you guys. Thanks for having me. <laughs> I have three aims today. One is to get us out from the thumb of anxiety. Of course, some anxiety is uh, good. It gets you to wake up in time to go to work and not lose your job. Like that kind of anxiety. Like, oh, the motivating stuff, that's fine. That's not unhealthy. But there's a kind of anxiety that rules over you and can cause despair and bring about disobedience to the king of kings. That is not allowed. It's not okay. And it's sinful. That is an oppression from the enemy. I want to get out from under that today. Uh, then I want to destroy the fear that keep, uh, keeps us from walking in the boldness that he has purchased for us. So not just being oppressed. I want us to go beyond the natural. I want us to have boldness. And then I just want to replace that fear and anxiety with a lightness and a freedom and a peace that may be uh, strange for you. It may be foreign to you, but I guarantee you it is quite lovely. And perhaps we can just all float out of here because of the, uh, the chains that God is going to break off for us today. So as I'm talking about this, uh, just a whole bunch of people set free from fear and anxiety. Perhaps some of you have just raised your eyebrows because that sounds like a tall order. Good, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> Pressure's off of me. This is all about the Holy Spirit doing his thing and the people of God becoming the people of God more. Um, so I'm going to tell a quick story about something that happened a couple weeks ago with someone from the family here. And obviously, I didn't do anything, so it's no glory for me. I'm just telling people what questions to ask God, and he does all the work. It's really, really kind of too easy. Uh, so this is just the Spirit of God speaking to the children of God and then walking into freedom. So a couple weeks ago, Taylor and I were praying uh, with a brother who has suffered quite a lot. Um, there's been a ton of spiritual warfare. He used to do 
ministry. There was lots of pain, some major betrayal, and it really kind of crushed him. And so over the last couple of years, he's felt a desire to get back into doing what God has called him to do. But there's been this kind of hook in him, and he's struggled with it because there's this fear that if he steps out into the obedience God's called for him, that there's going to be more spiritual pushback, the same kind and even worse than before. So he's been wrestling, like, I want to be who God has made me to be. I want to do this thing. I want to breathe life. I want to bring the kingdom. I want to seek first the kingdom. And at the same time, what if I do? There's going to be bad stuff that happens to me. So we took this to the Lord, and uh, we said, Lord, would you reveal exactly what the enemy is whispering to this guy? So the Lord revealed. He said, the ways that you've suffered a long time ago, that was me going easy on you. That's what the enemy has said to this guy. The, the way you suffered, I was going easy on you. So you should be even scareder because if you get back into it, I'm gonna make it worse. And so we took that to the Lord and we said, okay, Jesus, the enemy's trying to make me afraid by telling me all the suffering I went through before was him going easy on me. What do you want me to know about this? And he heard, I was taking it easy on Legion when I sent them into the pigs. You know, Legion's like thousands. In, in Roman, uh, the centurions, uh, Legion is Five or 6,000 soldiers. And Jesus, the demons begged Jesus, don't send us into the abyss, send us into the pigs, please. They begged Jesus. And Jesus goes, yeah, okay, go to the pigs. <laughs> I was taking it easy on the legion of demons that I cast into the pigs. Mm. Who has authority there? Who has power? So this guy that, that we're praying with, who hears this from the Lord, and essentially, I'm, who is surprised? You listen to the voice of God. You listen to the, the Lord, the word, and he points you to the word. Thanks, Jesus. That is sure. We know that that is you because it's straight scripture. He often does that. Oh, so this guy, the next time the enemy says, you should be afraid, I was taking it easy on you. He's got something to look back on and say, <laughs> you wanna make me afraid? I just heard Jesus say he was taking it easy on you. Get behind me. Mm. All right, so that was the intro. Let's get into the passage. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into the barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? So this is in Matthew 6. And in Matthew 10, Jesus says, he talks about the birds again, about the sparrows. He's like, you're worth more than sparrows. But in this, he's talking about, I came to bring a sword. And so Matthew 10, 28 says, do not fear those who can kill the body and not the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both body and soul in hell. Aren't two sparrows 
sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. Don't, don't be afraid of, of lack of provision. Also, don't be afraid if all they can do is kill you. <laughs> Yikes, Jesus. Verse 27, and which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life? The Greek there says, who of you can add an inch to your stature? Who can make yourself taller by worrying? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Solomon was pretty rich. Uh, the queen of Sheba came up to visit Solomon and gave him $160 million worth of gold, plus a caravan of expensive spices. The man was, was wealthy, and Jesus says, yeah, he's not as, as adorned as something that we just cut and throw away. Yet I tell you, even Solomon... Not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Jesus says that a lot. He says, O you of little faith. When the Son of Man returns, will he find faith on the earth? I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> I, would, uh, I would not like to be called little faith. In fact, let's just pray right now. Jesus, would you grow our faith as a family, as we behold you, that you would cause our faith to arise. Thanks, Lord. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. I have heard that verse. From the Lord, when my face was on the ground and I was concerned with how I was going to get a paycheck, I heard that verse, seek first the kingdom, I'll take care of everything else. If your loves are rightly ordered, if you seek first the kingdom, then I'll take care of everything else. That's a big promise. So now, in fact, on my, that's a whole other story. Uh, I keep that in my pocket. When the enemy tempts me to despair, when he tempts me to be afraid, I'm like, ha, no, I remember this one. Seek first. I'm good. I, have to, I still have to go back to it. I, st I have to remind myself quite a bit. Verse 34. Do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own troubles. So Jesus commands us not to be anxious. Anxious. I hope that that is a freeing thought that he would tell us, just don't do it. If I told you don't do it, like, hey guys, don't be depressed. Oh, thank you, that was very helpful. That's not helpful at all, get out of my face, you don't know me. You know, you, you should be offended. If I say something like, oh, you, your leg is broken, well, feel better. That, that's not helpful, unless it's the one who holds the molecules together by the word of his power. The one who spoke and creation leapt into existence. He is not, this is not one of those things where Jesus is like, hey, do this thing that's impossible. Be perfect. 
This is not one of those things that we can say, oh, he's just being Jesus, setting the standard too high. That's impossible. No one can be afraid. No one can be free from fear. No, that's ridiculous because 2 Timothy tells us, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us not a spirit of fear or timidity, but of power and love and self-control. Don't be anxious. How do I do that, Jesus? Oh, well, you haven't been given a spirit of fear. And now you can say spirit is the the spiritual, mystical, demonic kind of thing. I think it's a, in this case, it's a general disposition. God has not given you a general disposition of fear and timidity and anxiety, but God has given you access to living in power and love and sound mind or self-control. Romans 8, 15 through 17. You did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. So we have not been given fear. Our identity is not little fearful ones. It is adopted children of the most high king of kings. The spirit himself, this is in verse 16 of Romans 8. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. So I think it's pretty clear that we don't have to live under the, the cloud of fear. So let's go back to Matthew 6 real quick. You see that first word in verse 25, it says, therefore. Ever wonder what that therefore is there for? Uh, I know this is kind of sneaky. I did this, but let's take a peek back at verse 24. So Jesus is talking all about don't be anxious about provision. Don't be fearful about having lack. But it starts with a therefore. So let's look at the verse before. And it says, no one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Uh-oh. All of this text is talking about a specific fear. The lack of provision. And it comes right after Jesus saying, you can't serve God and mammon, which is the name of a false god. Is our fear, is our anxiety about lack because we, we want to serve mammon? Are our hearts seeking to serve the false god of money? money? Do we want to find our deepest sense of security in a cushion in a bank account? I know this hurts. It's for me. That's all right. You can't do anything. I'm not on staff here. <laughs> I know this is hitting a little close to home. I mean, I think this is a territorial spirit in this area. I think that this is a, a thing that this part of town struggles with. 
perhaps all of America does. If you trust money to be your functional savior, if you find your deepest sense of security in money or what you have, that is a problem. I'm just going to give us a, a moment if you need to repent. <laughs> uh, get some face time with the king here. As, as you like, go ahead and if you need to repent, go ahead. Jesus, we confess our wandering hearts. We confess our refusal to be content in you alone. We confess that we have been afraid of the wrong things. We know that it all turns to dust. We can't take, we didn't bring anything with us, and we can't take anything with us when we die. Set us free from the love of money, because we know it's a root of all kinds of evil. Let us flee from that and instead pursue righteousness. You intimacy with you, faith. In Jesus' name, amen. So a stronghold is something that is well defended. It's built up, it's armored. And fear is a common stronghold. So I'd like to now teach you how to Tear down the stronghold of fear and replace it with a stronghold of faith. So here's the, the very practical stuff. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5 says, For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. The weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against knowing God, and we take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. That's strong, isn't it? That's 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5. Feel free to get a tattoo of that. That's a good one. All right, practical stuff. Number one, all fear comes from believing a lie. Always, always, always. It's usually about who God is or who we are. And if you are making decisions based on fear, those decisions lead to death. You cannot at one time be a slave to fear and an heir to the kingdom. Those cannot coincide. Slaves do not get an inheritance. And they don't get the inheritance that Jesus died to give us. Fear is a tool of the enemy to make us disobey, and God tells you to take a specific risk, and fear says, no, don't do that. It'll hurt. It'll be weird. It'll cost me too much. 
Whenever you hear that, whenever you hear those two voices, rage against one of them. You do naturally. (laughs) Rage against the other. Don't make agreements with the enemy. Do you know what speculation is? I use the term speculation. Uh, It's asking, oh, what if this happens? What if, what if, what if? I don't know about you, but sometimes I can hear what if a thousand times in a day. You know what uh, Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego said to King Nebuchadnezzar when he said, go into the furnace? They said, God is able to save us from this furnace, but even if he doesn't, we'll be fine. We'll go to him. Instead of saying, what if this happens? If you chose to every time you hear what if whispered in your, in your ear, if you choose to respond with, even if that thing happens, Jesus is still on the throne and I'm with him. Uh, that'll, that'll shut some fear up. Am I right? Perfect love casts out fear. First John 4.18 says, there's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. All right, so here's, here's the how to overcome fear day to day. First, be aware of your emotions and look out. Be on the lookout for anxiety. So whenever you feel your, your blood pressure jump up or your pulse start to race, you're like, oh, wait, what's going on here? And then directly go to God, bring it to God. Anytime you start to feel that fear spiral, get in God's presence you are welcome. I mentioned putting my face on the floor all the time because I want you to know that getting your face, the, the times I have felt it's easiest to hear God's voice is when I'm in a posture that shows my place. Like, get on your face. You start to feel afraid, get on your face. Jesus, get on your face and ask him where it's coming from. Jesus, I'm afraid of this. What's the lie I'm believing? And then you confess and repent. Now, confessing is telling God something that he already knows. He's not going to be surprised at it. Um, and essentially, it is getting to the root of things. If you've got a sick tree and it bears bad fruit, you can knock the fruit off a thousand times in a row. Instead of dealing with the root, you're going to have to do it forever. When we bring things to the Lord like this, when we confess it, say, okay, Jesus, what, what, what's causing this fear? And he says, the enemy is lying to you and telling you this. You say, oh, okay. The confession looks like, Jesus, I'm believing that you're not gonna provide for us. I'm believing that this is, you tell him the, the lie that the enemy is telling you. And then the repentance is, okay, Jesus, what's the truth? It's not just turning from the lie, it's turning to the truth. Jesus, what truth do you have? What promise do you have that I can apply, that I can jump on instead of this sinking ship that's gonna take me into disobedience and death? What can I look to? Many times it is scripture, but because you heard it from the Lord, it melts your face off. So that's confession and repentance. And then the last part there is remember. Ebenezer, um, make a a stack of rocks. God brought the Israelites through the Jordan River. God said, make a big stack of rocks. So for generations, your grandkids will be like, hey, what's this stack of rocks? So glad you asked. God brought us this far. It's, It's him that did this, and we are here only because of it. Thanks for asking.
Let's talk about it again tomorrow. Let's do it. You want to do it? Let's do this. Um, if you got your pen and paper, and I'm in charge today, so we're doing this. Would you just right now ask the Lord, I said, Lord, is there a fear that you want to deal with in me? If you hear something, write it down. You might already know. You've probably heard it a thousand times today. As, as, you've, as you're writing that down, go ahead and go to the next part. Jesus, what is the lie that is causing this fear? Now, here's the, the really sweet part. Jesus, what's the truth that you have that you want to give me to destroy this fear, to destroy this lie? What's, what's really true about this? All right, so as you are writing these things down, it's going to be natural for you to, in your flesh, reject that. It's going to be natural to hear his voice and say, ah, that's, that's too good to be true. Was it, that can't be real. You wouldn't really do that for me. Temporarily suspend your disbelief Ask for his help in that. And if you heard something, as you attempt to receive it from him, you just ask him, Lord, help me receive that. Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. We are to be a people that are radically courageous because we have nothing to lose. I prayed over y'all this week listened a little bit myself. I heard judgment as a, a fear, being found out as a fraud, being not good enough, being alone. Uh, I heard fear of health for you, your spouse, and your child. I heard fear of disappointment or being a failure. And I also heard uh, fear of pushing into more of this spiritual stuff, particularly the lie of, if I go down this road, is it going to make me weird? No, it's not going to make you weird. It's going to make you who you were born to be. Uh, if, if any of those hit you, feel free to text me. I'd love to, to know and chat with you more about it. If you, I can get, I'll give you my phone number right now, 
573-1938. I'd l- this is my jam. I want people to get free. 832-573-1938. Text me. I would love, we'll do lunch or something. So I don't want just to take us from living down here to a nat- to, up to a natural, peaceful life. I want to take us further, stretch us a little, get to this point of living where we are regularly experiencing the supernatural. As I, as I worked on this sermon in my backyard, I saw like 10 really big, colorful butterflies. And I was like, that's weird. And so as I thought and prayed about that, the enemy wants us to live like a caterpillar like a worm, eating leaves and not doing anything, uh, and that's it. But if we allow ourselves to go into the chrysalis of Jesus who transforms us, take, takes the, the worm, turns it into a soup, and then re, like that's, it turns into a liquid, and then a butterfly comes out. If we are hidden with Christ through his death, if we die with him, and then we are identified with him in the resurrection, then we go from being a worm to flying. That's what I want for us. That's what I want to be the normative thing, which is how we can have stories of people being healed and transformed and people having visions and dreams. You were made for more than just a crawl. It's time to fly. Jesus, thank you for your word. I pray that you would continue to transform us. All of life is a vapor. All flesh is grass. Gold turns to dust and we will rise again. I pray that you would put us on that, that you would stick our minds to that, that we would be so transfixed by your glorious face that we would be transformed by it. I pray that you would continue to set us free from fear, And let us live as you have called us to live. For the sake of your name, the joy of your children, and the transformation of all things. In Jesus' name, amen.